The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, and I Hear Everything production. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. In each episode, you'll hear an earful of brilliance from a marketer who has brought an iconic brand to life. Ready to hear the secrets and untold stories behind the brand you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the Rebrand Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of OH Partners, Scott Harkey. All right. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, where we tell untold stories of world-changing brand campaigns, as told by the marketers who built them. I'm your host and founder of OH Partners, Scott Harkey, and today we're going to discuss opportunities to win while giving back to local communities. Joining us is a client, longtime friend, amazing brand marketer, Chris Rogers. He's the deputy director of marketing products at the Arizona Lottery. Their mission at the lottery is to support state programs for the public benefit by maximizing net revenue in a responsible manner. Chris has been at the job a while, and uh, I know he's got a ton of insights. As a side note, I mean, the state lottery is is over a billion dollars in sales. So today, Chris and I are going to discuss scratching Arizona's $1 billion geo-based state lottery. Okay, here's my conversation with Chris Rogers, the Deputy Director of Marketing Products at the Arizona Lottery. What's up, my man? How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm flattered to be here. Always, man. Well, you're such an insightful marketer. I mean, you've you've been at Cold Stone. You've been on the agency side. You've been on the brand side. You've taken the lottery from you know 700 million in sales to over a billion. Tell us the insight on this latest campaign that I know you wanted to talk about while giving back to local communities and, and geo-based. Just wrap with me, man. Talk to me about what's going on and, and the latest campaign you're super excited about and proud about. Absolutely. So we have just launched a new campaign. It's called Arizona Adventure. It is, uh, as you mentioned, it's a geo-based adventure. It's a ticket It's a promotion on our uh, Players Club, and it's a great way for people to be able to see the state of Arizona while also enjoying lottery. And I have to say, this whole thing kind of started out as just an idea thrown into a a Google Doc that I bounced (laughs) off my team about two years ago. And it's great to see it come to life. Right now, it's the number one selling ticket that we have. And... We actually have a a good problem on our hand, and that's that we're probably going to sell out of the tickets before the promotion ends. What, what kind of sales are we talking about, Chris? Just ballpark. Well, you know, we printed probably over uh, a three million of the five dollar games. So, wow, yeah. So that's probably what we're looking at right now, and we've been hitting it pretty hard with the ad campaign since the since about mid August. And uh, I think it's just really taken off. I mean, the way that these things happen with lottery players, it's generally a little bit more organic. They see something that they like and it becomes uh, 
part of their routine purchase. You mentioned loyalty a little bit. Uh, how big's the loyalty program? Yeah, we have we have half a million users right now. It's That's just crazy in the program. And uh, at any given time, we're we have uh, twenty to twenty five percent of those engaged in a thirty day basis. So past wow. you know over the past thirty days, we're engaging twenty to twenty five percent of that base. But the amazing thing is that there's some folks within those that players club who they may join specifically for holiday promotion as an example. And we know this because uh, we have sort of developed a way to kind of um, identify players who are a little bit more stagnant and to re-engage them as we go along. So we might send out an offer, but we also find out a little bit more about them and their behavior. And what we've learned is that there's some people that just love a specific promotion with us. And help our audience understand the promotion a little bit more in terms of why it appealed to loyalty and even potentially new customers into the funnel. But help, help us understand this kind of localized promotion and how it's different from a lot of licensed lottery products. Absolutely. So, I mean, well, one of the things that we love to do with our Players Club is develop promotions that are unique for Arizona. And in this specific case, not only can people enter tickets that they've purchased to get extra points, they can physically go out to locations in Arizona that are state park locations to check in and get extra points. So there's sort of like an adventure component to this promotion. And in that regard, I feel like we're engaging more fringe lottery players. We all know... Maybe younger. Yes, definitely younger, definitely more active lottery players. And because it's a $5 game, it's it's, it's a low entry point. This is really cool. And I, I'm partially playing a little dumb here. I mean, obviously, we've been involved in the campaign. But for the listeners, I mean, you're gamifying lottery, you're getting younger, which is always a goal of, of lottery players who are, are potentially aging out. And you're involving something super on trend right now, which is like state parks and something super unique to Arizona and tying really that all together, like gamifying state parks and people to go adventure and generating sales, like, and getting younger and new players. Like that's pretty incredible for lottery in terms of and a different product than, than certainly I'm sure you've seen in other lotteries across the country. It's a combination of all those things. And there's also a beneficiary component for us as well, which I think, especially younger players, they want to have a reason to be able to play. They want to be able to come back to uh, what's behind brands. And I think that this promotion helps us to explain at least one of our beneficiary buckets, which is environmental conservation. We have been avid uh, funders of Arizona Game and Fish. We've funded educational programs through Arizona Game and Fish, as well as uh, land conservation, too. So it's a great way for us to tie back to that in that specific initiative while also engaging our players. Okay, Chris. So, I mean, you guys are one of the fastest growing lotteries in the country. Tell us about the insight in terms of this giving back and altruistic consumer motivation for playing. Do you think, and I think it's been a, a debate in gambling and, and especially in the lottery business, is chance to win a driver for purchase or is give back a driver for purchase? Or is there 
a driver for purchase of the coolness of a game and, and the entertainment of a game and having kind of that secondary layer of a gives back just helps as secondary. Like, can you help our listeners understand kind of the, the human insights to your players and how the products and the marketing strategy has evolved or is currently happening? Like help us help us understand like kind of the human side to the insights you've seen in this business. Well, for sure. Undoubtedly, it's prizes that attract players to play. They're not any different than casino players or sports bet book. But I do think that there is a component of the gives back, and our players have told us this, that makes them feel more aligned with our brand and our purchase and the purchase that they have, sorry, because it is lottery and the good that lottery does across the state of Arizona. They know that it is a for the sole purpose of generating revenue for the public good. So I think when you have a large jackpot roll, like, you know, Powerball, or we saw the 1 billion rolling for Mega Millions, or even this really localized Arizona adventure promotion, that there's something a little bit more in it as it relates to the brand for the players. And I think that's kind of where the gives back component comes in. So we know that not every player is a winner. So the other aspect of that too is that what is the sentiment that people have that play lottery that they, you know, on any given day, they might not necessarily be a winner. The knowledge that their money is also going to uh, support programs for the public good, I think is an aspect of our brand that differentiates us from other gambling options. I love that. And, and, and one thing in terms of your background, I think you did this pretty early on moving over to the lottery, is you saw a need to have marketing and products more tied together, which I don't know if people caught in your title. Not only do you help execute and strategize marketing, but you also are in charge of, of the product side and tying those together, which I think is unique to the lottery industry in, in some regard. What are some insights that you have for other brand marketers in terms of what you've seen on the product side with your probably 2 million-ish users? I don't know. I know 500,000 in loyalty, but what can other industries learn from lottery that you've seen on the product side and even on the marketing side? Well, I think for any industry, there's a continuum there that the experience that the product delivers to, in our case, a player or a customer or a shopper in that regard, is something that you have to think about when you're developing a product. And some of the ways that we do that at Lottery is that we do uh, what is user analysis at specific price points. So we knew, you know, we knew we have players that play tickets that are one, two, three, and five dollar games, which we would call like low tier players. Their motivations are different than people who perhaps might be playing tickets that are at higher price points. And to really study those and really understand what they are, those help inform our ad campaigns. So that is sort of the beauty behind marketing and products being so closely aligned with one another. There's nothing more than I love than sitting down with my product developers and the marketing people at the same time to look over data, to look over sales information that we've got and really uh, fine tune our products. 
some of the ways that we do that is even starting with what's the key takeaway for a game, which is the, you know, the, what we call, like to call the call out for a game. So we also have come to learn by listening to our players what they like about our games. And we could probably be very generic in our approach to lottery games, but we know that the Arizona lottery players are different and expect certain kinds of things. So especially as it relates to crossword players and even our high tier players, that we can't just pick up a ticket that's been run in another jurisdiction and run it in Arizona. We have to really think about the call outs, think about the graphic approach, think about how we're going to market it more holistically. So a lot of that starts with the product development end. And then that research, that data that we do around players does to some extent help inform the development of creative briefs to create a continuum, if you will, of messaging across platforms from product on out to marketing. Wow. That makes a ton of sense of how you've been able to segment different player groups, but also have a common theme of of experience and delivery from the product side and being able to tie a marketing message to also being able to, to deliver is a big deal. And I think where a lot of people fail, I had Todd Davis on from LifeLock um, yesterday. And uh, one thing that really stood out to me is when he talked about the brand promise and the brand delivery being really important and being able to make sure those are tied together was huge. And, th- and then the third thing was really about having a differentiating disruptive message in the marketplace, which is kind of the third bucket in his opinion of, of success and metrics for marketing. I guess I'll totally switch gears a little bit. I'm trying to think of like in this podcast, like what's a funny, like quirky thing to ask somebody towards the end of the podcast, like, you know, Guy Raz, like in, in how I built this up, kind of had his like signature thing. But I, I want to keep this really specific to marketing and, and, and I want to make sure we have a podcast that is giving marketers, real insights from people in the trenches doing the work. What do you think is the biggest mistake you see marketers make right now? That's a really good question. I would probably say that one of the biggest mistakes that I see marketers making right now would be that there seems to be a disparity between how brands are being played out specifically in influencer and digital platforms versus how they're being played out in advertising. And I think that it's, you know, we know that the influencer category is helping consumers trust brands in many regards. But how does that, how does that carry through to your higher level messaging? And I even find it to be a challenge from where we sit. We've done some influencer campaigns and we've had varying degrees of success with those. Uh, so I love the idea of watching someone who is using your product, but also that that comes from a very genuine spot. How do you make that genuine when it translates into your ad message? I think that's a, a challenge that brands face. I love that. You nailed it. I There's not... a a day that goes by that I'm not having some sort of influencer conversation with somebody about it being certainly a a, a huge opportunity, of course, but a real challenge to allow influencers to continue to be authentic for the content creation and the audience that they've built. 
but also get across a consistent brand message at the top of the funnel that we're trying to convey consistently across all demographics. And platform by platform could be different too, whether that's TikTok, Instagram, or YouTube, or whatever. I think you totally nailed it, it being the biggest challenge. I think I heard a stat, there's 49 million content creators and influencers in North America or the US. Um, I can't remember one or the other. And uh, organic reach for influencers is certainly going way down. There's still, I think, an opportunity for money to be made for, from a brand side. And there's still, when I say money, we mean like there's value for media impressions. But how you infuse them into other aspects of the brand and vice versa, and whether you infuse their content into a paid channel for that platform, I agree with you, is a real challenge because you don't want... 10 different little micro campaigns going that don't roll back up to some sort of, you know, brand platform. Damn, that's, that's freaking good. I, th- I think you nailed it. You know, we certainly don't want to control an influencer's conversation with their audience. Uh, we can help sort of give key points to that regard, but they have a relationship with their audience. So in many ways, as marketers, we're dealing with sort of various spokespeople to a certain extent, which, you know, if you've ever created a a campaign with a spokesperson, you might, you know, the challenges that are associated with that. That person happens to be talent. And usually they go where they need to go for their own career needs. So it's not a, you're corralling the conversation, if you will. And crafting, you know, a human as a spokesperson with a brand that has human characteristics and Chris knows, I mean, we created a, a, a spokesperson for the lottery that was really successful and did did really well, but it's still this actor guy and that's tough. But man, now we're talking about from an influencer standpoint, doing that with 100, 1,000, 50, 20 people that, and keeping it somewhat, at least in the same ballpark from a consistency standpoint. Oh my gosh, that's, that's insane. I, I guess I never thought of it that way. That's a really good insight. I love it. All right, marketing people, that wraps up the Rebrand Podcast. Thanks again to my boy, Chris Rogers, Deputy Director of Marketing and Products at Arizona Lottery for joining us. In part two of this interview, we'll publish tomorrow, Chris and I are going to discuss how turning nothing into a $45 million lottery game. That's pretty sick. If you can't wait till our next episode and like to learn more about Chris, you'll find his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. And you can contact him on Twitter where his handle is CRogersAZ. You can also visit the ArizonaLottery.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to rebrandpod.com, where we'll have summaries of all the episodes and contact information for our awesome guests. You can subscribe to our newsletter, or if you want to talk about the most impactful marketing campaign, you can apply to be on our show, The Rebrand Podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is rebrandpod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can contact me directly. My handle on Twitter is SharkyAZ. If you haven't subscribed yet and you want daily stream of marketing campaign brilliance in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in the podcast app and we'll be right back in your feed the next business day. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, remember, it's never too late to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand. 